We have been having such a blast with the Makers in Minnesota dinners that we've been having at the Lexington, we've decided to change up the format a bit and have a spring cocktail party. That way, more people will be able to experience all of the great makers that we get to talk to. We're going to be having Prize Brewing, Vicre Distilling, Wild State Cider, Dash Fire, Crooked Water Spirits, Redlocks Whiskey, Lovejoy's Bloody Mary Mix, Denord Craft Spirits, Edina Roastery, J. Carver Distilling, Sweet Haven Tonic, Tattersall, Sherub Shrubs, Muddle and Mint, and Popped Corn, Salad Girl, Patty Spice Nuts, The Salsa Collaborative, and Tiarina Spices, all there at the Lexington during this cocktail party so that you can taste all of the unique Minnesota-made products that we have to offer. We'll be doing sample sizes of cocktails and sample sizes of canned cocktails, and we've got some great bites for you there. We're going to be at the Lexington. You can get tickets. They're $40 a person, and it's at thelexmn.com to order. And we will have all of the makers with us that night. All of the floors of the Lexington will be open, so you'll be having a multi-dimensional experience at each of the different floors and be moving through the space, trying lots of new Makers products and old Makers products that you know and love. It's the Makers of Minnesota Cocktail Party. Hurry and get your tickets, because when they're gone, they're gone. But we anticipate that this is going to be a sellout. We are really looking forward to hosting you. The cocktail party is going to be April 26th. It's a Tuesday night, and we will have doors open at 6 o'clock, and we will host you until 9. It's the Makers of Minnesota Spring Cocktail Party. I'll be there. All of the makers that I've mentioned will be there, and we can't wait to meet you. This is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things. And our guest today, Therese Moore, is making oats cool, steel-cut oats, <laughs> the kind that maybe you had when you were like a real little kid, but chances are you didn't even have steel-cut oats then. But to Therese, um, you are with Three Bear Oats, and you yes. are revolutionizing, I think, like bringing back the grain bowl and the oat bowl in the freezer section of our grocery store. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Stephanie. I love being here. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, I'm just thrilled to be doing just that. Something new and different in the freezer case that's convenient and that's also good for you and good for the community. So I first heard about you, I think it was three years ago at a um, Ari event, I think. And I first had a taste of your grain bowl. The packaging was a little different then. It had like a clear window and it was kind of maybe it looked a little um, kid friendly ish. Mm -hmm. And when I saw you just recently at a woman who cooks event, which by the way, just quick plug for that organization it's an organization for women who make or are in the food business in the Twin Cities. And it's a group that's pretty small. Like, I think there's like mm-hmm. a less than 125 members. But these events that they have are like 40 to 50 people. So you really get to like meet people and talk to people. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the food business and you're a woman, you should consider joining Women Who Really Cook. It's an organization that Suze Ellickson started and it's amazing. And I got to have a sample and see your new packaging there. So tell me a little bit about your journey from grain to bowl, as it were, 
And then we'll talk about kind of since the pandemic, how things have shifted for you. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, So, yes, completely true. I started this business in 2018, and it was actually a confluence of two really very different things. One being that I have a a European upbringing, and I really value... Where'd you grow up? Oh, well, so my dad actually is from Luxembourg. Okay. This teeny tiny country between Germany and, um, and France. And um, he grew up there. And because of that and all, when you grow up in Luxembourg, you learn five languages right off the bat, but you kind of have to. So you have German and French and a few other things. So I spent most of my childhood actually in France. My dad was transferred over there. And so really until the age of 15, um, I was living in Paris and I really grew um we we went, we traveled a lot, but we didn't know how long we were going to be in Europe. So my parents took uh, us everywhere. And um, I had a real appreciation for food, not only as something to that, you know, you, you know, put in your mouth, but, you know, really as an experience and as a joy and so on. And so knowing how Scandinavians eat oats, which is mostly savory. And in the evening, I decided to explore that a little bit. And then um, that mixed with the fact that one day, being being a teacher at the time, I was was teaching sixth grade French, actually. And um, I was also having a dinner party. And a couple of hours before the dinner party, where I was making a big pasta meal with mushrooms and leeks and Parmesan cheese with the rigatoni, I realized that one of the guests celiac and was not going to be able to have my meal. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I thought back to savory oats and thought, you know what, I'm just going to take this recipe and put it with the oats and um, tell her it's like, a, you know, we'll, we'll be honest, but say it's like a risotto. Yeah. And that was way before uh, COVID where everyone had everyone's forks and everyone else's food. You know how it used to be. Everyone picking at other people's things. And people said, I was actually challenged. Basically, people loved it and said, you should do something with this. So, and that's how that started. And then I went to a farmer's, I actually applied to the farmer's market after it had closed. And when they said that someone had dropped out and I now had a booth, I thought, oh, now I have to do something (laughs) with this. So um, that's how I started. I rented a big red kettle from this uh, food rental company. And um, I just scooped out oatmeal for people at the farmer's market. So it was, it was lots of fun and it was a great start. And actually, you know, a little a little shout out to farmers markets. They are a wonderful place for women, for entrepreneurs, um, and it's a great place to do a lot of research, which is exactly what I did. So I I thought about you know and asked people what they liked, what they didn't like, what was going on, and from there I created six recipes from that discussion with customers. And everyone loves to talk to you at a at a farmer's market. So it's yeah, great. a lot of people use it as like market research or it's that's fabulous. the only forward facing customer time they get if they're in grocery. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is uh, where I did a lot of tweaking also of the recipes and also where I learned a lot about, um, you know, who my consumer is and what they're interested in, which is like low fat, low fat, low sugar, healthy. I mean, not low fat, I mean, low salt and low, low sodium, low sugar and healthy, organic things. So from there, I was always going to have an organic product that was extremely important to me. And spending time at the farmer's market, I really 
began to learn about how important local is. I don't think I ever gave it as much attention yeah. as it deserves. You know, local is so important. It, it, it helps the community, right? And um, your direct community. It makes you feel like you have purpose. And, you know, it's great for the environment because things are being trucked all over the place. And in terms of freshness, I use products working at the Good Acre, which is my... Um, which is my commercial kitchen, which by the way, I, I absolutely love. It's a non-for-profit, beautiful place that has been so incredibly supportive to me and to we other women. We should give them a shout out makers. too. Yeah, I'm they sorry? have a couple, I think they have a couple spaces coming open in, in May. Do they? I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't even know. They're just wonderful. Literally, there's a new director, Teresa, um, fabulous, fabulous place. But anyways, and Reese was great there for years as, as the director, um, of the kitchen, but they have just a ton of outreaches. And one of them is to really encourage the people who use that kitchen, um, the makers, the producers to also use a lot of the local produce produce that comes directly to from the fields to the kitchen. And that's what I do. And it's just, it's such a joy to see carrots come out of the back of a truck, come into my kitchen, get washed, get prepared and get into the bowls and smack into the freezer, which is like maybe, you know, a day from of the six bowls you have, how many are, we'll call them sweet versus savory. Thanks for asking. It's a great question um, because savory is unusual. And sometimes it gives people a little pause thinking, wait, this, these ingredients with oatmeal, but I think that people need to think of, um, I'd like people to think of steel cut oats as just a wonderful grain that's so healthy for you. And really it, it, it blends with whatever you're serving with it. Um, so I have three, what I call the power breakfasts. One is called little bears breakfast. That's apples, honey, nuts, and seeds. It's quite traditional. The apples, it's dairy free. The apples are soaked in um, in vanilla and then um, sautéed in in oils to make it dairy free. Then I've got a um, one called Alpine Track, which is peanut butter, banana, and um, chocolate. So it's kind of a fun, kid friendly, yeah. super kid friendly, great way to get oats into kids with a little chocolate on the side. And then the third one is my husband's favorite. It's called petite Canadian. And um, that is bacon, cheese and maple syrup. So it's sweet, savory and kind of smoky, too. So those are the um, those are the the breakfast items. And then what I like to call all day oat options are Orzo Toscano, which is not Orzo. Sort of my mistake, misnamed it a little bit. It's not Orzo. It's the word Orso. And Orso means little bear in Italian. So the little Tuscan bear, Orso Toscano. And Orso Toscano, I I like to think of as a risotto. So it is mushrooms, leeks, Parmesan cheese, olive oil, and basil. And um, you can think of it, it reminds you maybe of a, a risotto. It's lovely to eat on its own. It's lovely. It's a vegetarian dish. If you're a vegetarian, it's lovely to chop some tomatoes into it. It's kind of nice. Or serve it with chicken if you're not yeah. a vegetarian. And then the last one is um, Cottage Garden. And Cottage Garden is my take, a little bit inspired um, from a Korean rice bowl. So Cottage Garden is a little bit kooky, but delish. It's um, vegan as well. It's a vegan option. And it's carrots, broccoli, 
kimchi, local kimchi and um, sesame seed oil. And that's yeah. lovely. Think of it with a fried egg on top. And then it's sort of that Korean traditional dish. Yeah, I really, when I first had the first savory bowl, I think I had the risotto type one and just the textures, the oatmeal, and then there was some vegetable in it. And then the, I think it had pepitas, something that was crunchy on top. Yeah, It was really just delicious. And I have to tell you, you've inspired me to like the other day I was doing something with barley and I kind of overcooked it. So oh. <laughs> it was really like starchy. And when I was eating it, it kind of tasted like the texture of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. So I used my instant pot and I made some apple sauce and yeah. kind of made like a, a jar that had applesauce on the bottom, this sort of overcooked mushier barley in the middle. <laughs> and then I put some cranberries and some nuts and topped it with a little yogurt during the day. And it was oh, awesome. Good. So good. It's so fun to be creative with grains. I mean, grains are such a beautiful food and they're incredibly versatile. Yeah. And so if we can get our heads around that creativity that you did in the kitchen, just, you know, you were just explaining, it's just a great, it's, it's just great fun. Really. It's what it's a lot of fun and it works. It works. You know, when I saw you speak, what occurred to me is my husband and I used to have a business and we would talk about not having products where we had to do missionary work. And what that (laughs) meant was like, not only sell the product, make the product, market the product, but explain the product and tell like, we never wanted to do that because it's so much harder. I feel like you're probably a mission in this missionary work of getting people to eat, not just oats for breakfast, but as a more all day option. Has that been challenging at grocery and just in your in your business development? Stephanie, that's a, a great question and so insightful because that is exactly correct. It is probably the biggest challenge. And that is why demoing is so incredibly important for me and why during the pandemic, we really struggled a little bit because we weren't able to demo. So as soon as someone tastes the product, for the most part, I mean, everyone has different tastes, but one can agree that, oh yeah, it is like a risotto or it is like a rice bowl. And then the taste speaks for itself and sells itself. It's just getting people over that hump. And also sometimes getting people past the fact, I find this a little bit similar with my older shoppers, past the fact that they, that oatmeal was forced on them as a child. And it's actually a wonderful product that should not, and doesn't need to be forced on you, especially (laughs) if you're created with creative with it and you don't put it with the humdrum expected ingredients. So um, we like to say that we forage for your porridge. So you don't have to, and um, that is it by adding some, you know, creative and different textures and flavors to all the bowls. They become these very convenient, healthy, especially since they're chill blasted immediately from when I, you know, prepare the, the ingredients, they go right into the freezer. So you're keeping all that goodness locked in a frozen product and they're convenient and they last for a really long time in your freezer. And then when you're ready, you can take them out and prepare them, um, which is just warming them up because they are all prepared for you. And I think, you know, it speaks to the, you know, nutrition conscious mom who is kind of, or parent who's busy, but wants something that's healthy. Um, And actually Alpine Trek was inspired by a couple of moms who said, if I can just get 
them to something before the cookie jar. Not that yeah. there's anything wrong with cookies. Cookies are great, but that that well, was a good. So plan. many kids eat fourth meal. We used to call it at our house, which mm-hmm. was the meal right when they got home from school. Exactly. And before the actual dinner was prepared because we got home from work later. So we ate later. So I feel like this would be a great option for fourth meal kids that maybe are home alone and just something that's kind of healthy. That's going to get them through to dinner or, you know, so that they can concentrate on their homework or maybe they have a sports practice and they have to do something before dinner or even honestly, as a dinner, as a really healthy dinner before they go somewhere. So one serving. What was the first store to take you in and tell me what that felt like? Yeah, it's such a love story, honestly. Um, Lakewinds will always, Lakewinds Co-op will always hold a very, very special place in my heart because not only did they take a chance on me and really support that chance because it's not just taking you in, it's then taking you in and then you know, lifting you up and supporting you and giving you what you need to succeed. But they also, it was through them that I was inspired to um, apply for a grant called Makers to Market. And Maker to Market um, was uh, affiliated with The Good Acre, which is how I actually found my commercial kitchen. Um, Grow North, which is a wonderful um, institution helping local products and, you know, in um, supporting local and, and, and Lakewinds. And so they uh, invited a lot of people to um, apply for this grant to help them go from the farmer's market into a store brand product. I love that idea. uh, There were four of us that won. I don't remember how many people applied, but anyways, four of us won that year and they um, really worked with us to help with packaging. And I worked with AURI, which helped us with all the nutritional uh, facts and getting all that straight. So that was great. And then they invite, they launched us right into their store. So it was a program to feed us right into the three Lakewinds. From there, uh, I went into a couple of other co-ops like, uh, like the Wedge has been amazing and, um, and Linden Hills co-op. And then, um, and then uh, Kowalski's gave me a, a shot, which was fantastic. And then unfortunately, COVID hit like three months later. So I never really was able to fully establish there. Yeah. But I'm at Lunds now in all the different lenses and they've been wonderful. So, so as the COVID pandemic hit <laughs> it, at that point, were you self-sustaining and making money and then COVID hit and you had to like keep funneling money into the business to keep it going or let's talk a little bit about just how yeah. that worked. Yeah, no, thanks, Stephanie. Um, You know, I really have so much admiration for the the small and fledgling food companies that made it through. And I feel terrible uh, sadness for those that did not. I did. And that's great. I found that um, I was with the support, really, of a lot of the, the, the stores that I was in. I was able to stay afloat, um, which was great. And um, I think it was particularly difficult because, you know, when people are afraid, even though everyone was eating in and, you know, at the grocery stores, getting their stuff and then bringing it home and eating it. um, I think that people go back to the tried and true, the things that they knew, the comfort foods of their past yep. and and are, and they are certainly not looking for new foods you know when they're trying to get in and out of that grocery store and not catch anything and yep. so um and or if they're ordering even online and trying to get it into delivered to their homes and even not in covid even 
when we're not experiencing COVID, consumers don't usually look in the freezer aisle for new products. You know, you people go to the freezer aisle to get the things that they know they want that are on their list. The frozen pizza, the ice cream, the peas, right. and they're out and it's cold. It's a cold aisle. You know, it's not it's not warm, cozy yeah. and fuzzy, um, it, although it's becoming more of bringing farm fresh to the freezer aisle. It's comfort to the freezer. I, I'm seeing more and more products that offer that. But um, but during COVID, certainly that was a little bit of a challenge, but it, it worked out and I had faith that the product um, would do well. And actually it was a, a, a weird blessing um, because there's always a silver lining to everything. There just is. Yeah. And the silver lining here was it gave me a moment to think, to review my packaging, to change the packaging so that it shows up better. It used to be a crafty. And you were saying, Stephanie, that you'd seen it earlier. It was a lovely package. I loved it. It had a window. It was fabulous. The fact of the matter is the window doesn't really work in the freezer. <laughs> it's yep. not It's not a plus, a window, um, because it's behind the freezer glass and it just doesn't really pop. And the window also prevents color to allow the product to pop and to really share um, some of the the benefits. And then, and actually by changing the new, changing my uh, packaging, which was great. Um, and I had that opportunity because I had that time. Um, I was able to do a lot of the product call outs, like, like it's super high in fiber. It's got, you know, 12 to 14 grams of, of protein. So, I mean, those things I hadn't really called out before. So that's interesting to think about because I did think your previous packaging was super cute yeah, yeah. But I can see that you had to repurpose it because of the freezer section having a whole different requirement of what's going to look good. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about looking at that cute packaging in a freezer section. Yeah. So yeah. that's really interesting to me. And also, if you look at packaging as real estate for your attributes for your product with right. that window, you're right. You had like a third less space for attributes. Exactly. I was trying to be incredibly because I'm extremely proud of the product and I am 100% I can stand behind it that it yep. is super clean in the sense that there is nothing in that those bowls that you would not be proud to have in your refrigerator or in your pantry nothing you can pronounce every single ingredient yep. that is in my bowl um and so I wanted to show that with transparency having a window, like this is what you're going to get. And the problem is that window clouds over on the, yeah. <laughs> in the freezer case and you really can't see it. And to your point, it is real estate. It's valuable real estate. And so what I realized this, regardless of anything else, and I love Three Bear Oats. I love it. It has been the most beautiful adventure and learning. I have learned more and made more incredible connections with lovely, lovely, wonderful, supportive people. It's given me kind of refaithed my uh, in in humanity. Just people are not competitive. They're so open. They're so wanting you to succeed, both on the consumer and and uh, store level. And you know, with you focusing, Stephanie, on uh, on on the makers of Minnesota. I mean, it's just it's it's really lovely to see. And I've learned so much about what's important in selling food, really. And the call outs like fiber and protein and low so sodium, those are really important. And you can't just assume that your it's not their business to, to know these things. Yeah. It's your business to help inform. And so I, we've been I, able to do that. I think it's good to remember, too, 
and this has happened with just my own recipes and things on stephaniesdish.com. Mm-hmm. When you are just getting sick of talking about something is usually when it's getting into the zeitgeist of your audience. <laughs> like, I feel like some of the stuff I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been talking about this forever. Yeah. And then it will be life-changing for someone to have discovered the thing that I think I've been talking about ad nauseum for 18 months. And you just, you realize it's repetition. It's people's mm-hmm. brains are full of stuff. And it isn't until the seventh time that they've seen or mm-hmm. heard something mm-hmm. that it really starts mm-hmm. to register. And I do like what you said about faith in the community, because I think people start businesses for lots of reasons. Mm. And the food business community, it's very rarely started to make money. Some of them make money and some of them get real successful, but usually it started with a passion or something that's inherent to the person that's the maker. And that's Mm. really why I do the podcast. It's why I love it. But it's also why it can be so challenging because these decisions feel super personal you know, you, I, I know other makers that have had opportunities in local stores and the opportunities haven't gone well and they've mm-hmm. had to like regroup and they're like, oh God, I, I got kicked out of Target, mm-hmm. you know, my big Target mm-hmm. launch and I got kicked out, mm-hmm. but it just forces you to kind of relook at what you're doing, relook mm-hmm. at your audience, maybe relook at your packaging, relook at your offering. And I just, I think that is important to remember if you are someone that's listening, that's struggling and feeling mm-hmm. like, oh, how long is this going to go on? It's mm-hmm. an evolution and you do have to kind of love True. what you're doing for all of those reasons, because sometimes the money isn't there. Sometimes the people don't see the dream in the same way you do, but if you're committed to it, you know, most people can find a way through that. Yeah. I, I Stephanie, it's just really perceptive. And I think so, so true. And I, I feel like I look a little bit, you know, with everything there are great days and not as great days. And you get these incredible wins where you have this euphoria and then things don't go well. And you think, oh, why, why, um, what, what made me, but, but it's a practice, right? So you go back to it every day with kind of a fresh sort of open mind. And you just try to see through like a practice, really. Do you and do I yoga? Because that's what that sounds like. It is like a yoga. It, it is. And I do like yoga. I love yoga. And I love it for that. You come, you know, there are days, uh, you know, as my little, as my body is getting a little older, there are days where I think, wow, I'm incredible. This is incredible. I am so limber. And then, you know, a week later for no reason at all, I can barely bend over. So yep. there, there's something to it. I'm sure maybe it's too much time in the commercial kitchen um, that makes <laughs> that's doing it, but it's important to go back and realize every day is different and every day is an opportunity really. And I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but an opportunity to learn because as long as we're all, you know, continuing to learn as we kind of go down this path of life, it's all good. It's all good. It's all an experience. It's all an adventure. And what else is there? Um, So I love that. I love thinking about that. I love thinking about small business or your business or your product of your business as a daily practice too. I'm embarking on a new thing for myself and you know, uh, being a cookbook writer is not for uh, sissies. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) And everything I learned that's brand new, I think like, oh gosh, would I have done this had I have known this? And it's not like it's a bad experience, but it's an experience. You know, I'm learning so much and 
just when you think in your career that you're kind of like sage and you've got it down, like you enter into a new field and you're like, wow, I had no idea. This is all so right. new. So you've given me inspiration. Oh, gosh. Just think about that too on a daily basis. So I appreciate that. Therese Moore, it is three bare oats. They are steel cut oats that you can find in your freezer section. Yes. They are delicious. And thanks for inspiring me. It was great to meet you and to hear your story on the Makers of Minnesota. It was fun to talk with you. Thank you so much. And I really enjoyed this tremendously. Me too. Um, And, you know, if you have any other questions about my business, you can go to my website or I'm on Instagram and also um, at threebarrows.com. So I'd love to share ideas with you. Thank you. We'll connect soon. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Okay. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Bye.